This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to Goodfellas Minute 3. I know I'd go from rags to riches if you would only say you care. Hello, welcome to Goodfellas Minute, the only podcast that analyzes Martin Scorsese's film Goodfellas One Glorious Minute at a Time. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. With me are Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. Are we sure we're the only one? We've got to be the I, I didn't actually I look know, for I that. So. 
Yeah. I haven't checked. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure I'm sure someone else is going to reach out and go, you're ripping me off. <laughs> yeah, he's a real jerk. <laughs> we'll have to have a sit down. So this is up. This is minute three. Let's jump right into it. Starts with close up of Henry closing the trunk. We get the voiceover and we'll get to that in a minute. And then it, we get some more credits. It ends with East New York in 1955 and our pan over to the taxi stand. So let's jump in. So this is our first instance in the film of voiceover, music, and- and freeze frame all in one shot. Wow. And what a line to start with. This is the this is the, the seminal quote in the movie. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Yeah, they they, they use several taglines for the movie, but this is my favorite of them all, because that just sums it right up. It just sums it everything up. And mm-hmm. the and the crescendo or the connection of the line followed by the music is just yes. it's it's perfection. Well, the thing is, this one shot encapsulates those three things I said. Is these are all motifs that are used throughout the film. The, yeah. And what's well, funny is, is uh, doing this project with you guys is sort of like, we know this movie so well, but it, now that we're actually having to look at it again for the first time. Yeah. And I don't think I realized how often and how much the freeze frame was used. Oh yeah, oh, no. Think, just yeah. just in the in we're gonna go through in these first you know few minutes. You see you, you see it time and time again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I mean Scorsese, um, and to a, a certain extent his editor uh, Thelma Schumacher are known you know for melding all those things. And specifically as a director, I don't know that there's anybody better at putting popular music into a movie. Well, yeah, I mean he yeah. he. There's a lot of ways to do it really cheesy. Um, but he's the one who does it well and does it, you know, does it the best. Where he's got period music. This is stuff that he, you know, probably grew up listening to at this point, or you know, at least was he was younger when it was when it was playing. Mean Streets was a lot like that too. He'd sort of started that in there, um, you know. And the soundtrack is every bit as important to this specific movie as the script. Yeah, you know, it, it's a it's a living part of it. So we're starting off with Rags to Riches, which is. Pretty on the nose uh, from from Tony Bennett, uh, which was uh, written by Richard Adler and Jerry Ross. Uh, Tony Bennett and Percy Faith released it in 1953, which tells you where we are. Um, it was number one record for eight weeks, and it got a gold record. It's it's a le- it's legendary. I mean, Tony Bennett. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I feel like you know so often when it comes to music, um, you know, and the mafia, uh, you hear Frank Sinatra and all stuff like that. But Tony Bennett is right there. I mean, yeah. Tony yeah. Bennett, as far as a staple of Italian American 1950s or whatever, like he's got the golden voice and and all that sort of stuff. And and this song is just it is perfect both contextually as well as um, even though this is 1970, this is what these this is our bridge to the flat to end you know to go back right. to in Henry's life. And so this song just pushes us into 1955. And just um, from a a, a, vo- a sonic standpoint, like it starts with a with bombast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 on you. You started. You're in it, just like the movie. The movie started. You're going. Well, there's something else interesting is that this is the the first instance of voiceover, Josh. And you normally really hate voiceover uh, um, in your storytelling. You know, that's true. I there's a, you know what I was I just just from going through sort of the beginning of going. There's a lot of stuff in this that other directors can't do well. Um, we're gonna see a lot of moving camera. Yep. We're going to hear a lot of voiceover. We're going to hear wall-to-wall music. These are usually crutches, uh, I think, in the hands of lesser filmmakers. Um, but in this, it, it tends to work, so, so that's a good point. Um, but we're, and we're definitely going to be touching on that a lot. But, uh, you know, Marty makes it work, or whatever that, that special chemistry of it all is. So something that's interesting, do you know where Tony Bennett is from? No. Astoria. He's from Astoria, Queens. Uh, how about that? That's pretty accurate. 
And ha- Ron, can you tell us how that relates? Well, well let's, let's, let's before we get to the the setting, let's get to the bridge, which is the credits. Let's finish that off before we. Oh, get you're back right. To the story. Yeah, yeah. So here's interesting is. Up until this point, the credits have all been black and white, and here we have the Goodfellas title in blood red right after the murder in the, uh, in the trunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's good. And then we have the, the principal creatives behind the film are now shown in this portion. We get uh, the writer. The, Who's the writer, Jeff well, Ron? Well, yeah. Well, the, well, the, whole move, well the, the screenplay was written by Martin Scorsese and the writer Nicholas Pelleggi because this entire story is based off the book that Nicholas Pelleggi wrote uh, called Wise Guy. Uh, and, and yeah, Wise, Wise Guy, Guy re- released in 1986. Nope, um, 1985. Really? Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's not all that long. Yeah. Uh, for a, for a book to go from you know from from being pretty successful to and, being a full on movie. And the reason why the movie wasn't called Wise Guys because at the time there was a Wise Guy TV show starring. Wall. Ken Wall. Ken Wall, exactly. Um, interesting that Nicholas Pelleggi, uh, you know, basically, how did he come about doing this? He was a journalist for the Associated Press uh, in the 50s, um, and he focused on crime reporting. Um, and clearly he was, you know, New York-based because that's where a lot of the major press outlets were. And over the years, he built up, you know, a reputation of being a good crime reporter. And he mo- he branched out and he was covering stories for New York Magazine as well as other outlets and became pretty much an expert on the mafia. And so when on the what on the uh, this thing that I keep hearing the mafia that they say that that doesn't exist, Um, but uh, so after Henry Hill uh, was arrested and turned informant and the trial happened and all stuff like that when he was released, um, he decided to tell his story and he teamed up with Nicholas Pledge to tell Nicholas Pledge his story and have him write it. uh, In you know, so mixing of the real life account of Henry Hill by one of the best crime reporters in the country. And if you haven't read it, it's really it's really good. Yeah. Oh, if you haven't read it, you, you know, and you like this movie, then you're you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I think you you definitely have to. Let's also just just note for a second that it's a pretty brave thing for for Pelleggi to write that book. Sure, I mean, if it if there if there was a mafia and that was a real thing, well, but it's not, you know, so he's okay. Sure, it's not. Yeah. No, it's yeah. fine. Um, but you know, it's it's a it's a pretty ballsy move. And it was very successful. Um, <clears throat> Uh, interestingly, here's a here's a here's a tiny factoid for you. At the time, Nick Pelleggi was uh, married to Nora Ephron, uh, acclaimed screenwriter. He, he uh, wasn't. Who, who he was, he was until she passed away. He never yeah. was. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, she also wrote uh, "My Blue Heaven," which she is directed it too. Yep. Uh, yeah, which is a uh, satire a, of this. A, f- a fictional sequel. Oh, it's not a satire. It's a sequel. <laughs> it's a sequel. Yes. It was meant to be a sequel I, to Goodfellas. <laughs> I guess. I guess you're right. No, well, it is right. <laughs> we'll talk more about my blue heaven at the end of the this run. But yeah, my blue that, heaven minute. That's a good. My, exactly. <laughs> so after, anything else? I, anything? I don't think I can hang with. Let's, it's a little I'm, early. I am that. down for my blue heaven minute. By the Any, way, all right, anyone else? Anything else in the credits? Or should we move on to the actual story? Let's move on to the actual story. I think. All right, so it opens 1955. East New York, which is uh, currently one of the worst crime-ridden neighborhoods in the city, um, and uh, but not shot in East New York. This scene, where we, we pan over from young Henry looking out his window, spying the cab stand across the street. Where That's true. It was shot uh, in in Astoria, Queens, on Thirty Second Street, um, just off of Thirty uh, First Street, which is the main uh, elevated train run uh, that goes up through there, which is the uh, which is the Q and W now, no longer the N. Or is the, which one of them is gone? Oh. Hmm? Yeah, they changed it. it. Doesn't oh, wow. matter. Okay. Uh, I used to live in this neighborhood. 
And it was after I moved in that I found out that the, that the locations for this were literally like several blocks from my house. You just walk past here every day. We have uh, promotional photos for iFanboy that we shot in front of the cab stand. Yes. <laughs> looking like a bad like album cover. It's yeah. awesome. But, totally uh, yeah, no, fa- fascinating that if you live in New York City or been there or been to Astoria, you can, to this day, walk on this street that they in this, oh, this shot. There's people who live in Henry Hill's place. Uh, yep. as, you, as you look out down the road uh, on a 24th Avenue, which is where I lived, um, you can see there's a – it's a Japanese restaurant now. I, I don't – it was at least very recently. Um, you know, but it's all right there. You could walk up to Henry Hill's apartment and knock on the door. And they, they probably, sick probably of it. don't want you to do that. Yeah, the, uh, just down the street is the uh, is the uh, Costanza's house. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's an important note that, that part of this was that, you know, like uh, so much of Henry Hill's story took place in the New York metro area. And we're going to try to talk about as much of it as we can as we do the podcast. But, you know, the combination of Brooklyn and actually some of Manhattan, but not as much as you'd think. Not, not a lot of Manhattan. Brooklyn and Queens. Um, yeah, and we're going to get into why that was the case uh, later on in the, in the run. But um, uh, so Scorsese shot on location pretty much for the majority of the, the whole movie was shot in the New York metro area. Um, I remember I, I had a friend of mine who grew up in Queens and lived near one of the shooting locations and he knew that they were shooting. And so he would just would walk his dog for hours hoping to bump into it and he happened to bump into De Niro and Leota just smoking on the street in between shots and De Niro played with his dog oh, it's a nice dog and <laughs> so I mean like this was all happening in New York City you know in 1989 um, you know amongst every all the other New Yorkers you know not that long after all this happened so I think yeah. it's interesting. And Astoria yeah. was a different neighborhood then. Too. Yeah. And so now so now um, we see where Henry lived in uh, – uh, it was shot in Astoria, but it's actually supposed to be in East New York, Brooklyn, um, which is the, the Brownsville, East New York section of Brooklyn. Um, the cab company, the cab stand uh, was uh, in the movie. In, in the next minute, we'll see it's called the Pitkin Avenue Cab Company. In reality, it was the Euclid Avenue Taxi Cab and Limousine Service, and it was located at 391 Pine Street, which is near Pitkin Avenue – uh, in the Brownsville area of Brooklyn. Um, so that's where that was, it all really happened. So one, uh, so we also meet here is Christopher Cerrone, who plays young Henry. Yes. And uh, I have a fun fact for you on Christopher Cerrone, who uh, had to wear contacts to match Leota's eye color, but that's not the fun fact. The fun fact well, that, is that's that... A, that's a very interesting fact. Uh, Christopher oh. Cerrone did not act again until 2011. Jesus, really? what did he in do? A, in a movie called Pathfinders in the Company of Strangers. Huh. <laughs> That's and not that, a good title. Uh, no, it's not. But uh, Christopher Cerrone had a bit of a rough time after this movie. Uh, everyone wanted to beat up the kid in the Goodfellas movie. Oh, really? That kid. happened quite a bit. The rest he was of a his, New York City kid, I assume. Yeah, so, but the rest of his childhood, uh, a lot of people, a lot of fights. Oh, you know, there's a, this is a slight difference, but like, this seems to happen to kids who are in mafia-related stuff. Uh, kid who played A.J. Soprano, he, yeah. he got into some trouble. The kid uh, from... Uh, Bronx Tale? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kolojito? Oh, yeah, he went to prison, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, like, he got in a lot of trouble, too. Like, so, you know, kids' moms, don't let your kids be in mob movies, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm getting out of this. Uh, about that kid's eyes. Yeah. Uh, the first shot, sort of, we see the close-up of his eyes, and, and, like, this whole movie, I think, is about Ray Liotta's eyes and his eyelashes, and they found a kid who could, <laughs> who could pass for, like, a younger version of that, which I think is pretty impressive. Although, with yeah. contacts. Well, right, yeah, but they yeah. still... They still yeah. Like, I thought, when I was going through this minute on that close-up, I thought, those look like Leota's eyes. And I realized they weren't. 
And yeah. I, was, I was, and I also like that we only see his face and his eyes as he's talking. About, I mean, we're and we're we're leading into it, but this is him talking about the world that he lives in. So we don't even mm-hmm. see really see much of him yet in his world. This is more yeah. the the world that he's around. So yeah. Cool. So that's it for this minute. I think anybody else got anything to talk about, or should we move on? I'm good. Euclid Avenue Taxi Cab Limousine Service. All right, so that's it for minute three. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow for minute four. Until then, you can check us out on Twitter at Goodfellas Min. That's M I N. And on Instagram at Goodfellas Minute. And you can find all of our episodes and all of our feeds and everything at goodfellasminute.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Ron. And I'm Josh. Or will I go from a rags to return? My fate is up.